I'm Bill Finn. You may remember me from other popular podcasts like This American Lice, Daycare Disasters, and The Crafty Brewtown Strangler, The Limited Edition Killer. Take it from me, a good podcast is like a fine wine, perfect for binging. It's season three of the Bait and Switch Podcast. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch Podcast. My name is Chris Beyer, as always with my host, Jim Martin. Hello, everybody. Tonight, we have a guest, it's fellow broadcaster, Tim Van Voren <laughs> from Channel 6 in Milwaukee. Welcome, Tim. Hey, good to be on with you guys and uh, anticipate some fun conversation. There's always a lot to talk about with our various uh, spheres, so let's see yeah. how we overlap. That's yeah, great. I mean, if it weren't for the virus, we broadcasters would all be hanging out, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You broadcasters. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't get your hopes too high, though, Tim, just so you yeah. know. You're establishing a little tone early here, Jim. All right. I, th I think right. we'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tim is here uh, via our, our good friend, Jeff Grayson, a previous guest. Uh, you worked with Jeff way back when. We never officially worked together, but our paths crossed various times. And a terrific guy, as you guys know, always very yeah. loyal to his alma mater and to his home <laughs> area uh, as he kind of carried the torch for uh, a lot of uh, sports fans watching Bucks basketball and Brewers baseball for all those years. As Jim knows, I always do my research when it comes to our guests. Tim Van Voren. Van Voren is a Belgian name. You are originally from Brussels. Is that true, Tim? <laughs> uh, someone back in the family might be. Sure. Good yeah. research, Chris. Your staff's right on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, uh, well, let me say this. You've lost the accent. Thank you. Uh, now, would that be the Flemish side of Belgium? Uh, you know, we can, we, can, we can really divert with our conversation here. I'd say Flemish, not Walloon. Nice. <laughs> well, actually, I always referred to you as the original muscles from Brussels. You've been working out. Looks like you've been working out. Yeah, your your zoom lens is a little off. <laughs> Were you a sporting guy growing up? Uh, you know, uh, uh, try them all, kind of play them all, enjoy them all, uh, but quickly realize, you know, high school was the upper echelon for me. So I, I got that message. Loud and clear, you know, that, that probably actually helped me to get into a broadcasting career because it kind of got me started a little earlier as opposed to, uh, you know, wait, I, I got started at the radio station. I grew up in West Bend. I got started at the radio station in West Bend while I was still in high school. A lot of that was because I realized I liked to be around sports, but I wasn't going to be a sports uh, performer uh, for too much longer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're from West Bend, right? And Jeff is from is a Tosa guy. With Jeff, we talked about how cool it was to be sort of living his dream of, you know, broadcasting for his, his hometown, you know. I mean, it's got to be a similar kind of thing for you. And then I thought, I wonder if that's just the way it is. And maybe it's not that cool. You know, maybe all you guys, are you all from, <laughs> are you all just from the area? You know, Jim, I think uh, in my case, at least I'd say trust your instincts because it is cool to be uh, around <laughs> teams. I think in sports more than anything else, you don't have to do research to know how were the Packers in the 1980s. We grew up watching the Packers right. in the 1980s, or the yeah. Bucks, or the Brewers, or whatever it was. You kind of know the teams, you know the history, because you lived it and you followed it. Previously worked in Illinois before coming back to Milwaukee. Really enjoyed it. Tried to learn a lot about uh, the, the area and the teams and the history when I was there. 
but I never was going to match up with people who had been in that part of the state their whole lives and knew sure. those teams knew that history because they just lived it. So it is cool to be in your home market, and I think particularly so in sports. Is that more of a local Milwaukee thing that people are in their home market, or do you see that all around the country for your, to your knowledge? Probably more so than everywhere else. But, but I know if you go to Boston, you watch the people on TV, you have a lot of Boston natives there. Uh, okay. you know, Chicago, that's such a, a spot that so many people want to get back to. If they started from Chicago, maybe they worked in various places. They want to get back to Chicago. So mm -hmm. I think you see it. You know, I know mostly sports as opposed to news, I guess. But uh, the sports, you know, the, the big-time local TV sports markets are still usually – upper Midwest or Northeast with long-standing sports traditions. You talk about Philadelphia and Boston and Chicago and Detroit and Pittsburgh. And a lot of those cities, and just off the top of my head, do seem to have people who grew up in those areas, maybe appreciating it, but also really kind of connecting and relating to the viewers and the listeners, I think. Sure. I want to talk about the unique rivalry of your home sports town, West Bend East and West Bend West. That's a unique rivalry. Tell us about the weirdness of that school. I don't see what the rivalry is, Chris. West is best and East is least. I, I, don't really know, I don't really know where you're going with anything else. You guys might say something else in Tosa, but that's the way it goes in West Bend. The unique setup there in West Bend for people who aren't familiar, though, is that those two schools are adjoining. They're built on one uh, location. You have a hallway that connects the two. I did go to West. And uh, I distinctly remember one semester, every class I had was in East. So uh, the, uh, the idea, I guess, when they built it back around 1970 was to get more participation. You know, you have two boys basketball teams and two girls basketball teams, and, and you had the opportunity for more kids to participate. Uh, and that's kind of played out over the years, I guess, in West Bend with different modifications. There are always rumors they're going to consolidate and make it one high school. But the weird thing it was not divided geographically. Back when I was in school, and that's a long time ago, if you had a brother or a sister that was, let's just say, currently at West, you could say, I want to go to West. We're a West family. We, we, we're going to line up with that. But if you didn't have an older sibling, you went basically into the draft, which was a random selection. They flipped the coin on the first one and went down alphabetically. You're in East, you're in West, you're in East, you're in West. So you could have grown up next to your best friend and played sports with him or just gone to school with them, whatever, up through eighth grade, and then automatically been on opposing teams. That was always a little goofy because it was not geographically based. Was there an actual rivalry between the two sides? You had friends on both sides, so I'm not sure if you really ever had the rivalry. I can guarantee you both, though, that every single year I was there, and probably every single year since, we'd kind of look at the rosters of the football team or the basketball team and say, man, if these schools were together, we'd be pretty good. You know, you take these three kids from the East basketball team and these two kids from the West, and boy, we'd be really good. Most years, neither team was dominant in various sports. Wow, it's great baseball tradition up there. A couple of years ago, West Bend West was undefeated, won the last uh, summer baseball championship, undefeated all the way through. And wow. both teams have been real good in baseball over the last mm -hmm. several years. So you definitely get uh, you know, some success. But a lot of times in football or basketball, it was tough to really be one of the upper echelon teams in the conference. Sure, sure. Did you have like a demilitarized zone in the middle of the schools? You know, everybody just kind of stood on their own side and stared at each other, anything like that? Is had a beautiful courtyard between the two schools. Uh, is the courtyard now where your statue stands? 
uh, I, I'm going to say that was torn down uh, <laughs> for the civil ju uh, social justice protests of 2020. They went after that first. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, well, there, there are a lot of stories as to why that one was uh, probably knocked to rubble very quickly. But, uh, <laughs> great place to grow up, great place to still be able to associate with a little bit. And, and to go back to Jim's point, great, great place to be near uh, doing the job I've been able to do the last uh, three decades now. Now, sure. Jeff went to UWM. Where did you go? Went to Marquette. Really, really enjoyed it. Great education, great social education. Drinking age was 18 at the time. Uh, kind of opened some doors professionally because you were in a market like Milwaukee. You could get some practical experience and meet some people while you were in college. It was awesome. Sure. That's cool. Is your wife a sports fan? She's almost got to be, right? <laughs> she is a sports fan. Uh, not yeah. rabid, like living and dying with everything, which is actually kind of good. She's always been very supportive and totally gets why sports is big to a lot of people. You know, it's, it's you know, helped take care of our family for a lot of years. So certainly an appreciation for it. Big time Packer fan knows the religion of Sundays of, of Wisconsin and Packer football, and right. uh, gets some of the games and you know in on the tickets and uh, all that stuff. So yeah, she's been a uh, a great partner for, on the sports ride for sure. So you haven't had a problem where uh, it's like, well, hey, look, um, it's Sunday and I got to work like all day. I got to watch football all day long because it's my job. You know that's that's got to be that's got to be pretty great. Like, well, you, but you probably you probably at Lambo and stuff though. I would imagine, right? I haven't had Sundays off in thirty five years, and actually, it's a good thing because you have a team that's so relevant, and uh, we do a weekly show every Sunday night anyway. So uh, you know, sure. I mean, I can't ever had a Sunday off. That sounds a little wrong. I've had some Sundays off for vacation, but really, always been working on Sundays. It, it's worked out pretty well. So haven't had to have that tough conversation with. I, you know, I, I have to watch this. It's research. It's <laughs> right for sure. It's yeah. got to be a little tough if the Brewers are twenty games back in August or September to have to really be plugged into the game. Yeah, particularly once football starts. You know, there's a mm -hmm. bit of a challenge once the Packers start to to stay on top of football and baseball anyway. But I assume that's the same challenge you have in almost every major market where you get those sports kind of overlapping. If if one team is a little out of it. Or one team is going great guns and, and the next team's getting ready to start up and wants some attention. It kind of gets overshadowed. That happens too. So yep. uh, it's a blessing and a curse when you have loyal followings with teams that are all kind of doing pretty well. And we've had that in Wisconsin the last uh, decade, something like that. We've had a lot of good, relevant, winning teams with great fan support. That's made our job easier, certainly more interesting. Sure. Traditionally, I would imagine February is a pretty slow sports month. You got NASCAR coming in there, but for the most part, it's pretty slow. So has this pandemic sort of felt like one giant February? <laughs> it, it, it really has. And, you know, you kind of digging up stories and going through your contacts and trying to set up Zoom interviews with uh, people who were of some uh, level of interest to your viewers. And in a way, as you look back at it, it was kind of a good challenge. It really forced you out of your comfort zone professionally yeah, uh, right. from a professional standpoint. I'm not saying it's a good thing on a, on a global so. Yeah, you know, we won't call it. <laughs> the silver linings are some positives to take out of it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you'd sure. be the first to be pro-virus. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit of a, that's a stance I could back off on. Yeah, right. All right, all right. Yeah, I'm glad you took that back. <laughs> We're longtime Milwaukee residents. To my memory, you started young at uh, ITI there. That was your first gig? I went to Marquette. I started with the radio station at West Bend when I was in high school. Uh, so I had the chance to get started there. 
literally behind the scenes, emptying the trash bins and making sure the lawn was cut initially, but eventually working into some on-air opportunities. And I, I really enjoyed it. I was able to kind of bridge going to college by still going back and working at the radio station. Interned at Channel 4. It was uh, Hank Stoddard, Bob Dolan, and John Gillespie for yeah, the right. long-time Milwaukee guys. And yeah. um, that was awesome. I mean, talk about an education into the business. And uh, I you know, explain to college students now or different people we ask about the business. And really, my path was one of those situations where starting with the radio station West Bend where people were great to me, then interning at Channel 4. The more I learned, the more people I met, the more I wanted to keep going with it. So I was just extremely fortunate. Uh, eventually kind of got hired by WTMJ Radio. I was in the building. I had this radio background and uh, experience from West Bend, so I was kind of a utility guy there. I was with Jack Baker, sports talk. Remember, Jack Baker used to be on every night doing the sports talk. He was an awesome guy to work with. Jim Irwin was there at the time. Yeah, uh, so learned, learned from all those guys, Brian Manthe. But eventually you graduate from college and kind of wonder what was going to come next and what I was thinking about and wanted to try television. Didn't really have any TV experience. I didn't do much of it in college because I was always working at these radio stations. And uh, so the, the folks at WTMJ Radio and TV kind of helped me out get a little mock audition tape opportunity together. I sent that out. Most doors were slammed in my face. But Peoria, Illinois, at WMBD TV and Radio in Peoria, Illinois, was a station that had TV but valued radio just as much. Your job was going to be 50-50 radio and TV, and that was kind of a hard job to fill for guys coming out of college or gals coming out of college. Sure. But I had all this radio experience, almost no TV experience, and I guess ultimately they figured he can do the radio part of it, and we'll see eventually what he could do on TV. So, yeah. uh, And I was preceded immediately by Dennis Krause, who had okay. the same job in Peoria, radio and TV, and, and he kind of put in a good word. I didn't really know Dennis, but he was nice enough once he came to Milwaukee. We met, and he kind of put in a good word for me. Uh, so he was helpful. And I, I guess to this day, I wonder if I ever would have gotten into TV if it wasn't for that specific job, because I had no TV experience to sell. I had the radio, and they needed radio, and they let me kind of groom myself, I guess, as a, as a TV possibility. So... Talk about fortune and paths. That really was the open the door that opened for me. Peoria, Illinois, radio and TV. What's the big sport in Peoria? The Bradley, what's the name of the Bradley? Bradley school? Braves. Bradley yeah. Braves. High school football is big, but college basketball was big. The minor league mm -hmm. baseball there. And uh, you mentioned the Bradley Braves. You guys remember Hersey Hawkins? Yeah. The national player of the year, his senior year. At the same time, he was an intern at our TV station. So that was pretty cool. Very cool. Uh, we'd send him to a high school game, and uh, you know, they're playing the game, and he'd walk in with our cameraman, and literally the game would stop, and everyone would look. Here comes Hersey Hawkins, and he was the intern for our TV station. So that was mm -hmm. pretty neat, and uh, just to meet a guy like that as he was kind of coming up, that was a great experience for me. And then later, I moved to Milwaukee, of course, and he'd come in and play when he was with the Sixers or you know, one of his teams in the NBA as a broadcaster. And we, there you get to catch up. The two of us, it's a humble beginnings from our days in Peoria, Illinois. And here we are uh, all these years later. So Bradley Braves basketball was pretty big. Yeah. I remember my dad getting Money Magazine and they'd have places rated in terms of cities. And Peoria was always at the bottom of the list. Was Peoria struggling back then? Uh, Peoria, 
was well before that and probably still to this day is very tied to Caterpillar Industries, Caterpillar National, uh, International Headquarters there. And as Caterpillar went, the community kind of went. So if times were pretty good, you know, everybody had some sort of connection with either working there or their family worked there or the businesses were related to uh, people who were having good times. If Caterpillar was down a little bit, the community was down a little bit. So I enjoyed myself there immensely, a great place to learn in TV. I made some nice friends and, uh, you know, it was kind of a little bit smaller scale Milwaukee, to be honest with you. It's a Midwest town. The river was there like you're on the lake and sports was pretty big and I didn't know any better. I just liked to work and wasn't making a whole lot of money and didn't, didn't have a care in the world, to be honest with you. Yeah. So let me ask you, I'm going to fast forward to you being on the news here. The, the lineup works like this. News, weather, sports. Do you ever politic to go ahead of weather at all? You know our place. Sports, sports <laughs> is last in line there. You do any of that research, you know, they ask those questions in research uh, about weather and sports, okay? And they, and they give you some multiple choice answers. If there's a severe storm barreling down on your home, how interested in you are the, how interested are you in the weather report from TV? Very interested, moderately interested, or not interested? Most people are going to say very interested. Right. You know, if the Brewers played last night, are you very interested, moderately interested, or not interested? Most people probably answer moderately interested. You do your research, and everybody's very interested in weather, moderately interested in sports. So we know our place. We we come in line behind that. You're bad and clean up there. Oh, there you go. Sure. I mean, we can spin it any way we want. You know, sure. the, sure. save the best for last, all that stuff. But uh, <laughs> there's a reason that's kind of the formula and the structure. Almost any town you go to, you turn on the news, it basically goes that way. So uh, it obviously makes sense. You know, and then the weather guys weasel their way into the first report, right? Sometimes they're like on before even the news. You are very interested, Jim. That's what the reason <laughs> indicates. Yeah. So... Uh, you know, weather, weather is in a, in a climate like ours, weather is critical. And, and I think if you look at all the stations uh, in town, obviously, I know you are loyal Fox 6 viewers first. And yes. foremost, sure. of you would even consider uh, switching out unless there was some glitch on your on your um, cable system or something. But I know that you're Fox 6 loyalists. But, you know, if you do look at our product or somebody else's, it's pretty similar because, you know, storms come along. That is more important to your viewers. Packers season. Buck season, Brewers, yep. you know, all the stations will bump it up a little bit higher because people care about that. So right. I like that it's not so formulaic as it once was when the days when we were all probably watching the, you know, the six o'clock and the 10 o'clock news and that's all there was. It was mm -hmm. very regimented. Nowadays, more time, uh, time parts during the day and more flexibility within those shows. You watch those bloopers on YouTube and there's one in particular I remember where a big sporting event happened, and they went to it right from the start of the newscast. And the news guy at this particular station said, big day today, the, the Philadelphia Eagles win the game or something like that. And the sports guy, they went to him, and he was mad. <laughs> he wanted to break that story. Is there any stories like that where the news guys uh, hone in on the sports? You know, I'm sure there are. Nothing sticks out to me like, I can't believe that happened or anything like that. There, there's some of that. And quite honestly, there's some of us probably stepping on their stories or, so, you know, some story that I'm out live at a Packer game and start talking about what might technically be more of a news story. So there's some overlap. I think there's a good understanding. A lot of us at Fox 6 have been together a long time, so I think there's a respect for each other's kind of territory. But also, if somebody strays a little bit, maybe there's a good reason for it. They, they introduce everybody you know, for the, the start of the, the cast. 
Can you go in the back to the vending machines in the meantime? You know, there, there are some advantages of sports coming at the end of the line. You don't have to be there from 10 one mm-hmm. you, you can watch the end of the Brewers game or whatever it might be and, and get out there in time for your deal a little bit later in the show. So, sure. Have there been close calls to you or somebody else getting on camera on time? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. In, in fact, uh, you know, I, I can remember a couple of times. You're wearing dress shoes and you're moving it down the hallway pretty good. You can, you can do a pretty good wax up. I can take you back, not really a close call to um, just missing, although there have been many of those. But when I worked in Peoria, the very first night I was on TV, it was a Friday night, and I had done the 6 o'clock sportscast relatively uneventfully, I assume, because I was coming back at 10 o'clock. And uh, high school football is, is a big deal in a market like that on a Friday night. You send your camera folks out to – eight or nine or ten games, and they grab some highlights, and they come racing back to the station at 9.45, and you slam all your edits together, and you're going to do that on the news at, at 10.20. So, you know, again, I'm brand, literally brand new in Peoria, and I go down the hall to do the sportscast, my second sportscast ever, and uh, the red light is getting ready to come on, and it dawns on me that I left all those notes back in the edit bay. Uh, of who who uh, who scored those touchdowns and, uh, and everything else, and uh, so you know, here's Tim with sports, and it was that was a struggle because, okay, folks, here we go. Let's take a look at the highlights, and the tape starts rolling, and you know, nowadays if, if the tape started rolling on high school football highlights, it was in the, the Milwaukee area. I could pick out a few helmets and I could fake my way through and say, you know, Arrowhead's always been good. And, uh, you know, this team's, you could fake it. But I, I literally had no idea. I, I was nervous, uninformed, uh, unprepared for that situation, and uh, almost had my career submarine the very first day I was on the air. But I did learn the lesson, which all you can do in those situations is try to learn a lesson. And I have always tried to take my notes with me to the studio since then. Yeah, you could have really taken it the other way and just made stuff up, right? That would have been more clever, Jim. I'm sure. I, you know, I was not in a position at that point to uh, think really on my feet. I was, uh, no. I was just sweating out those five minutes of sports and, and desperately hoping to get to the commercial. Have you seen somebody torpedo their career? Have you been next to somebody have a career-defining moment? Uh, I've seen some people struggle or miss us, miss uh, the point of a story, something like that. You know, I've not been sitting next to anyone who swore on the air and you oh, knew okay. that was the end of it. I think we've seen some of those bloopers where, you know, right. you just didn't know the mic was hot or something like that. I've been around people who've said things that they certainly would want to take back for any number of reasons. Sure. Uh, but I can't say, ooh, I was, you know, I watched the Hindenburg next to me or anything <laughs> like that. Right, right. Do you ever swear at all? I find it easier to really uh, curb that behavior, particularly you're anywhere near a microphone. Now, we say this on a podcast and, uh, you know, something could slip out and people are like, well, look at that guy. You know, he's you oh, know, yeah. guilty of what he said he'd never do. But, I, I mean, it, that is a lesson I think you all have to try to learn. And usually those lessons are learned the hardest of ways. Right. Yeah. right. Well, hey, Tim, we're going to take a couple minute break and we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more sports this next time. All right. Hey, all good. You guys are fun. All right. right. We'll see you in a bit. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast for the conclusion of our interview with Fox 6 Sports Director Tim Van Voren. Mm -hmm.